gentlemen, welcome back to the Woody Allen Retrospective Podcast right here on PlanetTyro.com. I am your host, Donald Wanda, and I'm joined once again by the asshole chief master reviewer, Simon Rad. King shit of fuck mountain. That's it. <laughs> There's the title I'm going by lately. Yes, welcome. Guys, if you missed our last discussion, we actually spoke about Woody Allen's most celebrated, beloved, and 40th-year anniversary rom-com drama is in people's top 10 This is so loved and adored, Annie Hall. If you're on YouTube, you can see there's a card on the screen. It'll take you back to that discussion. All you non-YouTubers listen to this on the podcast. I'll put a link to the whole retrospective in the description below. Whether you're listening to it on Podbean, Stitcher Radio, uh, the iOS app, however you want to do it. Guys, we've, we've reviewed so much with the Allen movies. We're continuing to do it. And we've got a hashtag you can search to find all our content. Jump in Google, whatever podcast app you've got. Put in Woody Allen Retro and you will find all our content. We've made it really simple. And as always, guys, we give a little spoiler warning. These discussions on these movies are full of spoilers. If you haven't seen the movie, would rather you go and check it out first. Come back and then listen to us ramble and talk about it. But if you don't care about spoilers, continue listening and we're going to get into it. So Simon, with all that said, and going through Annie Hall, we're going to do a heel turn and talk about Woody Allen's next movie. And do you mind telling us what that is? Yeah, so the Annie Hall follow-up takes a drastic turn into a completely different tone. Uh, we're talking about 1978's Interiors, which is a movie directed and written by Woody Allen, but doesn't star Woody Allen. He's not even in the movie. <laughs> the movie's lead is actually Diane Keaton returning for another collaboration. And it basically follows her character not only in the middle of a, sort of a, a, an existential crisis facing uh, the realization of her own mortality, but also uh, follows a difficult time for the, the other members of her family. Her parents going through a separation period, his dad trying to make up for lost time of spending you know decades in an unhappy marriage for the sake of her children yeah her mother coping with her own uh mental issues and uh depression and sense of isolation and loneliness especially now that her husband left her and the internal dynamics between her relationship with her husband and her relationship with her sisters who all were different affected by not only what happened between their parents but of their upbringing and their parents favoritism uh, towards uh, each different child and how that works its way into their private life and their professional life their career where they find themselves Diane Keaton's mother is played by uh, Geraldine Page and she gives a, a pretty amazing performance in this but even with such a strong lead headlining it everybody else fares very well sure the two sisters flynn and joey are played by christine griffith and uh mary beth hurt uh, respectively and they, they they're kind of the the opposites of uh, diane keenan's characters flynn is the youngest one and she's sort of kept in the dark because she's young and naive but she starts feeling it as she matures and she feels left out and not taken seriously she's a uh, an up-and-coming actress that just can't get that big breakthrough. She's stuck in television land. While Joey is the favorite child who everybody had high expectations for, but is just not progressing artistically. Diane Keenan is a successful poet, and their mother is a very successful 
or at least very respected interior decorator. She, she has impeccable style while their dad is a successful businessman and wealthy. And it's established early on that the mother contributed a lot to that. So Joey, who what model herself after the mother, felt an incredible pressure under her shoulder. And really, that's just uh, the tip of the iceberg. The beauty of the film is watching uh, all these internal character dynamics come to the surface and play out. Hmm. That's interesting. And uh, I agree with that synopsis. It was pretty pitch perfect, actually. Well done, Simon. <laughs> uh, but I, you know, I know. I like. First off, people are like, wait a minute. What kind of comedy is this? Well, that's exactly it. This ain't a comedy. It's a, <laughs> it, it's a, it's a, I can imagine the confusion for people like, okay, and, and when does anybody get kidnapped by a dictator or, you know, is this in the future? Are there any robots in this? No, this, this is not that kind of Woody. Well, well, well oh, hold on, because you say it's not a comedy, but there's one thing about this this movie that is a comedy, and we have to go back and talk about the trailer. Now, we, we don't... It, it is one of the, the critics' darlings from Woody Allen. We don't usually talk about the trailers for the Woody Allen movies a lot because they're pretty just simple trailers. This trailer stands out in the fact that... Well, let me go back a little bit. A couple of weeks ago, I was actually sitting in uh, Simon's house with him and his girlfriend and we were looking at some Woody Allen clips just for fun and we came across the interiors trailer and the reason why this trailer stood out is because it runs as a normal trailer showing parts of the film but it would stop every what 50, 20 seconds or so it would just stop then this track to tell you that the critics love this movie and the way it does it is so forced and so comical and so biased that we were all <laughs> we were all cracking up like what kind of trailer is this you're already telling us how great the movie is in the trailer it's compl- it's totally unprofessional it's like they took the guy from the 90s of this summer and get and, and it's basically that guy's granddad delivering the most snotty pretentious summary of, of critics reviews from the different new york uh, newspaper outlets that you can imagine I mean, it's basically you're having a friendly conversation and every five minutes a film snob comes in and just pours it all out there. How the imagery reflected in a broken mirror that reflects a broken society on the edge of tomorrow in days of future past cannot summarize the mental scale of influences contributed in Woody Allen's soul to crafting this magnificent painting of nothingness. You know what, Simon? It's all fun talking about how much we laughed about it. But guys, through this podcast, we're going to inject those parts that we're talking about of the trailer. And I think you understand why we said it was very forced and very unprofessional. But I will explain why I know, I actually know why they did this. And it becomes very obvious after you've seen the movie. So we'll put the trailer to the side for now. And let's get back to the movie. Now, (laughs) I do this a lot. I always talk about how you know, I watched all the Woody Allen's movies before and how much I loved them before. And this Here was, we go. You yeah, know, your little yeah, reminiscent so, hour. You yeah, know, first the, of all... The I memories. Have to, I have You're to. having a midlife crisis. I'm trying, I'm trying to show you the contrast of the young me and the new me. And in this movie in particular, I think it's very important because I found this movie, when I saw it years ago, decades ago actually, I found this movie super droll, super boring, and, you know, I was so surprised. I was like, wow, as you said in the beginning, Simon, you know, no comedy, no levity, you know, just intense 
dialogue-driven drama and you know the movie gets more darker as it goes along to its penultimate ending and it's like what was this now what i will say is this is a movie even rewatching now i still find it in woody allen's filmography personally not his best but i like it on a conceptual level and i think a lot of the things behind it are, are really really thought-provoking but i appreciate it more as an adult because i can relate to the drama in this movie gene shallot of nbc tv calls interiors a masterpiece it ranks with the finest films ever made a work of art you must see it yeah <laughs> oh my god look, these those bits just make me lose my train of thought woody allen deserved the, he earned the right to take a dramatic to take a dramatic turn and i don't know if this was too sharp and too the tonal shift was too quick but now that i'm watching it you know movie by movie and i can see where it's coming from i think he did earn the right to do this and i think the movie is a good drama but as a film and as a narrative on the whole i just feel like i don't want to say it's too one tone but the best analogy i can give this is like a big chunk of raw meat that's the drama with the motif of interiors being inside the house or inside just being stuck in people's heads with their woes with their disappointments with their clashes with each other it's a lot of meat and it's kind of intense and by the end of it i was like i like a lot of this i like a lot of what this movie has to say and i could relate to a lot of this but it's too much too soon when we look at it for me personally in terms of the retrospective but as a movie on its own i appreciate a lot about this and i'll let you go on and i'll speak about some more bits as well wow yeah you're getting carried away with these metaphors now well uh what can i Fuck say you. about th- <laughs> <laughs> i was like hey wait, is this the trailer playing or is this still you talking Shut which, up. One, which one is it but uh what can i say about this movie that hasn't been said before penelope gilliatt of the new yorker calls interiors woody allen's most majestic work to date as true a tragedy as any that has come out of america in my memory a consuming film well, you surprised me because uh, you liked it better than I anticipated you to. Because when the movie starts, it's very silent. And uh, this is actually uh, another tribute, uh, not really a tribute, but another heavily influenced piece for Woody Allen. But unlike his comedy influences from the Marx Brothers and uh, Charlie Chaplin, a little bit of Buster Keaton, uh, this one is uh, influenced by Egret Berman, who makes all these deep, thought-provoking movies about a lot of subject matters that really interest Woody Allen, uh, universal subject matters about life and death, uh, uh, the end, the, 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 the endful nature of life, you know, that, that everything has a beginning and the end. And, and uh, a lot of movies from Ingrid Bergman captured Woody Allen's attention at, at a young age, and he felt very influenced as a filmmaker by it. So this was kind of like his stab at conveying those emotions and those questions that already bothered him, taking influence from uh, one of his, uh, you know, role models as a filmmaker. Sure. And that, that's a lot to, to, to bite off and chew at the same time. Mm-hmm. But if you think about it, Any Hall came out so great. We talked about this, that it's sort of that 
masterpieces where everything just happens to come together, like all the right people are at the right place at the right time, that if he would have done another rom-com type of film, it would just not live up to the same caliber. It would have felt like a letdown, so you gotta diversify. It's kind of like when Tarantino made Jackie Brown after Pulp Fiction. You just gotta do something different to sure, sure. distance yourself and also try something new. You know, uh, mm. keep keep things diverse. Keep keep your um, filmography um, more interesting. Like cut down on the repetition. So it's a, it's an aggressive step. But I was surprised how much I enjoyed this movie. I mean, maybe because you know my mom's an interior decorator, so. And, and uh, I, I really appreciated just the the insight to these people's lives and the way the characters are written. Even people we haven't talked about before, like uh, the two boyfriends, uh, Frederick, played by Richard Jordan, and Mike, played by uh, Sam Waterston. Yeah. Their characters are very flushed out as well. I very, mean, Frederick, yeah. Frederick is um, Diane Keaton's husband, and it's quite clear that He's an, aspir- uh, uh, an aspirational writer who, who's being published and ha- has achieved his, his his amount of success, but not the critical acclaim he desires. But it's because he critics desire a more safer, topical book rather than the edgy, fresh, unique style he, that he naturally writes, which Diane Keenan finds impressive and he encourages him to to move on mm. and and keep pushing while he feels like that's only if he ever is appreciated for it it will be in retrospect because he's ahead of his time and the longer it goes on the more he feels like he's just being pitied because Diane Keaton already has all the critical claims so is she really telling him he's good because it's it's her genuine critique and impression or is she just trying to be supportive is, does she pity him does she look down on him and that gives him some a, a little bit of a writer's block and an inferiority complex. You know, I'm not surprised you like this movie because when I was watching this movie, all I could think about was your favorite scene in Annie Hall with Christopher Walken <laughs> going into that monologue about feeding the oncoming flames coming from the... And, you know, this movie is not as... That was a comedic, very intense scene that came from a place of... <laughs> a, a damaged character and this movie has that but I'm not I'm not trying to I'm really not trying to you know insult the movie by saying that it's similar in that regard but the way Chris Walker's character was distraught with himself and his mental faculties I feel like the characters suffer from that in this movie and but this is taken seriously so again I was like I, I, was, I thought you would be bored by this movie because a lot of people are as I said, most people find it an acquired taste, but I'm I'm happy that you like it because, as I said before, now being older, I can appreciate a lot of what the characters were saying about disappointment with themselves. And what I will dispute with you is that actually, I disagree that Diane Keaton's the main character. I feel like this movie is an ensemble cast. I actually feel like everyone gets equal screen time. And actually, I actually felt like Diane Keaton's sister, Joey, was more of the focal character because we saw I don't want to say more than her but we got to hear a lot about her especially in the beginning yeah I I, I can I, I see what you I, let me rephrase it because what I actually meant was that Diane Keenan is the anchoring character so yeah. she's the one who anchors a story and kind of introduces us to everybody else but but yeah you're, you're right it, it's sort of a, a tale of sisters and a tale of a family and certainly the mother she's the 
mostly the vocal point of a lot of the conflict. Yeah. So yeah. in yeah. a way, everybody has their own aspects of being a main character. Everybody, yeah. it, it is an ensemble cast. It's a female-led story, but even the male characters are flushed out just enough. Whereas the dad who who sacrificed a lot of his own happiness for the sake of his family, or rather, it's uh, the two boyfriends, you know, husband slash boyfriend. In the case of Mike, who's Joey's boyfriend, and he's kind of he's kind of hit her emotional support, but because of that, all the criticism, everything falls back on him. I mean, dying uh, Keaton's mother, uh, Eve, in the movie, who's going through this depression and this obsession with it, you know, making everything perfect and uh, decorating everything. She has a strong influence on Joey and her life, and has basically taken over their relationship from a home decorating perspective. And it causes conflict between them. And Mike is the one who has to kind of take it all. You know, he has to he has to play the straight man and kind of swallow his pride. And you really see that 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 getting to him and also getting to their relationship as Joey starts mimicking her mom and kind of becoming her mom more oh, yeah. and more throughout the film. Yeah, that that's what I really like about the movie. I, I feel like the characters are really relatable. I mean, it, it is white people's you know plight. The film, you know, is like you know, the white struggle, if you wanna, if you wanna put it like that. But if you put it in historical context, I mean, the movie came out in '78, and everybody is very polite and very uh, intellectual and sophisticated. And one of the big uh, uh, plot uh, points later on is uh, Arthur, uh, the dad, finding a new girlfriend in Pearl. Oh boy! Who, yeah. Who's a more outspoken, lively woman? Kind yeah. of the exact opposite of their mother, who's very reserved and kind of cold, and, and not maybe not as smart and cultivated, but very fun and you know really re- revitalizes their dad. You can tell that they're extremely offended and annoyed by this woman, but at the same time they see why she's a breath of fresh air. Yeah, yeah. But she comes off as very prude, and the biggest insult they throw at her. Is that she's uh, what, what was the word they used? That she's a, a Vulgarian, you know, <laughs> you know, wait not a Vulcan, <laughs> yeah, yeah, not a Vulcan. Uh, she's vulgar. I mean, wait another two years and we're in the Reagan era, you know. I mean, this was literally the the, the tail end of the, the 70s where you had these the, this up this class of intellectual thinkers. In, in the 80s, Reagan brings back the old-fashioned values of the South, where we need to take back America to the good old simplistic days before the science and the books, you know? Make <laughs> America great again, yes! <laughs> yeah, the original great again guy, yeah, yeah. that's why he tripled the deficit. But uh, anyway, so what I'm saying is this was the last time you can actually write characters like this, because after that, we literally go back to, to Buck and Budweiser, and shotguns <laughs> and, as, and and you know a, a big a big huge plummet in the big cities again breaking away from the analysis for a moment i do want to talk about my general thoughts on the story now when the movie starts and you know it's a very judith christ says interiors crosses an entirely new frontier dealing directly and perceptively with the human condition okay enough of that <laughs> <laughs> when the story starts i like I like the overall story because it's a very uncomfortable family drama. At first, I appreciated what the father was saying. It was very uncomfortable that he announced that, 
you know, I've raised my kids, I felt like I've done my part, but I want to be on my own, I want to separate. Now, as a man, I thought, you know what, maybe breaking up the family is bad, but, you know, he's being honest, he's being open and honest, and I could appreciate that even though, you know, he's going to cause his wife dread, if he's unhappy, better to be honest. And I thought, it's an interesting movie to see the ripple effects of this, even though everyone's grown, and even though he's in his 60s or whatnot. But as the movie goes on, <laughs> he, you know, the fact that this ex's wife is very unstable, very mentally unstable. And oh, yeah, he, she's borderline suicidal. Well, yeah. borderline. She could try to be suicide once in the movie. And then he is so selfish. And I, I didn't really, I was thinking, I'm trying to be on your side. I'm trying to see what he's saying. Because he's an old man, you know, his last years. If he wants to be happy, really happy, fine. But... He doesn't take this woman into consideration at all. And even when he sees her decline, like you said, he, he goes to find someone else. That's even bad enough. And then he wants to marry her with no one within six months. And it's like everyone's telling him, I'm like, wow, man. I mean, the writing of this movie is very uncomfortable and the way it affects every single character. And again, a massive, massive commendation to Woody Allen. That's not even the whole story because... Diane Keaton and her husband, you get a lot of time with them, as you described, describing their plight with their careers, and then Joey and her boyfriend and her issues as well. There's a lot that happens in this movie for, like, three different subplots and a main plot where, as you said, the mother is a focal point of everything. And it's very interesting, but the motif of the movie is interiors. We're inside. We're stuck inside the, the house or the houses. We're inside these people's minds, and they're releasing all of their inner inner force inner demons and whatnot and it's very intense the biggest criticism i have for the movie is you you hit on this a little bit when you said white class people's problems all that i felt like the dialogue was a it read it sounded to me a little bit more like written dialogue as opposed to natural conversation but sure, again sure. i thought that maybe it's a class thing i'm not i'm not a socialite i'm not with these people but they didn't really seem like upper upper class so i was kind of like you know they would spout this not exposition they would spout all their thoughts in such a way in such a controlled and articulate way back and forth it felt a bit like a play and i'm like that doesn't feel like natural conversation but in the movie's defense as you said as well this movie is inspired by a director who has a style who has a theme that ingar bergman i can't even pronounce his name properly <laughs> and um woody allen did a fantastic uh interview i'll put a link in the description you guys can watch it and after watching this movie, the biggest combination I can give it is I checked out more of um, Igmar Bergman's work and I could see why Woody Allen was so inspired. And if this movie isn't owed to that director, that's fantastic. And to be honest with you, throughout Woody's filmography, we're going to see more inspirations. This movie in particular, the way I see it, this was a very concentrated, focused effort to not recreate, but to... Yeah, okay, recreate that kind of movie with a Woody twist. And as we'll see, I think in later movies, he does it better, infusing the drama and making the story a bit more interesting. But for what he, everything he did in the past, the studio gave him a pass. They were like, hey, if you want to create a drama, we're going to be behind you after all the money. And I'm talking about, at this point, Woody Allen had made the money. He, he hadn't made one bomb through his whole career. He just made... Uh, what was the, the company? I forgot um, the studio. that United Artists. Yeah, he had made them millions. 
at this point. And, and Annie Hall was an Oscar, multiple Oscar winning morning movie. So it was the perfect time, as you said, the perfect time to try something different. And it's not a bad movie. Acting is fantastic. Cinematography is okay. It's kind of minimal. It's fine. It can be boring for some people. It can be. I think it's an acquired taste. But watching it now in 2017, I think it's a good movie. But lastly, I do think I was more interested in the making of the movie and Woody's thought process and all the stuff I read about this movie a bit more than the movie itself, to be honest with you. Because again, it was very, very meat without the potatoes. But that's kind of my wrap up with my thoughts. Mm, I, I see where you're coming from. And, and yeah, I was kind of alluding to that, that with the, the the time and the place and the decade that the dialogue it is very idealistic like you would want to express yourself like that you would wish you could you know you you would be that cultivated and be surrounded in such a you know cultivated circle where everybody has um, a very articulate and sophisticated way of expressing themselves and and you know the the smallest emotional outburst is met with you know an appropriate response so you don't have to scream and shout and yell which makes those outbursts even more powerful which Woody Allen plays a lot with silence in the movie there's a lot of times where there's so much going on underneath that when somebody suddenly breaks something you know it, it's kind of like it all comes out all at once and and the character of Earl played by uh Maureen Stapleton you know her being more outspoken and, and kind of and loud and a little bit more simple being uh you know the the woman from florida which, which is before they did all the crazy stuff they do today in florida like rape <laughs> alligator, you know rape alligators trying to blow up walmart and what else <laughs> you know and it, you can tell this was made 40 years ago but it, it was really the last point in time where you you could do that and to the movie's credit with the character of pearl they kind of acknowledge that and it's not like they present her as this you know Oh, she's like from some red state, and she's right wing, and, and you know she's like antagonistic. By by the end, the the film finishes. Even her character gets rounded up, and we really see the positive sides to her. So it's yeah. not just like making fun of her that okay, she's dumber than everybody else. You know, she's not as uh, well educated or doesn't read as much uh, sophisticated literature or whatever the topic may be. And I and I really appreciate it. I. I like I said, because uh, I, I am familiar uh, a little bit with people in this type of mindset or characters like this. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I, I really be, you you know people like this in real life. <laughs> yeah, I, I do. Like, like I said, my mom is an interior decorator, and I, I can I can relate to a lot of the emotional bits here. And I, I share a lot of a lot of stuff with uh, Diane Keating's character, like what wow. troubles her. You know, I have those thoughts in my mind. So I, I'm a little bit biased. I'll, wow. I mean, I'll meet you halfway. To, even though I really enjoyed the movie and the writing and and the character explorations, I think what you're what you're what you keep bringing up in terms of the tone and kind of being dry or you know, one note, but not a whole lot of basically any tonal shift in the entire film. I think it's it's because it's such a drastic departure. I would have wished he would have taken his time and, and really perfected his own style of filmmaking. Because with Annie Hall, he finally nailed it. Like it was a perfectly formatted film. Mm -hmm. and, and we give it credit for the old transitions, how beautifully it flows, how we go from one segment to the other, whether it's comedy and romance, and we jump back and forth for time, and it just works. 
this movie we lose all that again it's very abrupt we have a some rough edits there's not a whole lot of music yeah there's not you know i'm i think he's trying new things he's trying new camera angles ingrid bergman influences go all the way back to the silent era when he started out like the the you know early 20th century so Mm -hmm. kind of mimicking or taking influence from some of those camera angles is interesting but it's doesn't flow as organically and well as his previous film anyhow i would have wished he he would have t- taken some time to to really be able to craft a film that flows better and is more digestible because this really hits you in the face from all angles the story's heavy the drama's heavy the acting's heavy mm-hmm. and, and you don't get a lot of uh, handles you don't have a a, a a memorable score to carry you through you don't have really uh, clever or exciting editing that's where you, the play comparisons come in that it's one silent talky scene to the next but what they say is very interesting so it really worked well for me and i think to a certain extent silence and that heavy mood is important so that you are able to emotionally level with the characters and the plays there are in their life and the disconnection they feel between themselves and the outside world like there's a lot of people staring out of windows. That's a, main, a a big theme in the film, and that's where we start and kind of where we finish. It's ironic you say that because the movie's original title was Windows. <laughs> what happened? You know, they they somebody foreshadowed Bill Gates in this. Yeah, you <laughs> did. they were like, we don't want a copyright. <laughs> exactly. Uh, it would have been an interesting, you know, because the cover of this movie is the three sisters looking through the window as well, and um, I do want to say this is as you said basically. This is not Woody Allen tip, stepping his toe in the water. He's diving in. <laughs> oh, yeah. But I'll, I'll shock you. To me, this is right up there. Like, it's a completely different tone, but with Sleeper and Annie Hall. I think this is in the top three what we've seen so far. Wow. It beats out, it beats out Play It Again, Sam, for me. I, I really like this movie. We got a lot of movies, and I'm I'm dying to hear your top ten. So you, I'm going to note what you just said there. I'm going to note that down. Yeah, but, and you know, Joel Schumacher returning for costume design. And I gotta say, he did a damn good job. <laughs> you, know, the, you know, this is like... Your this, favorite this director. Retro, <laughs> this this is like Joel Schumacher's redemption, this retrospective. And it, it just proves how much I hate those two, you know, superhero movies that much. Because I'm like, this guy has a very diverse filmography from directing movies like hey, Falling those, Down those and The Those movies had Client. style. Those Batman movies had style. And you know that. That was him. Yeah, that was all yeah, him. yeah, uh, yeah. I, let's focus on other bits of his filmography. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, like that's the thing. You don't want him to be best known for those two films. Like, he did a bunch of other stuff, from writing, you know, The Wiz to doing costume design right here, and you know, in Sleeper. And I gotta say, the costumes were bang on here. They were a lot of were. character expression. Expression. It went very well with the colors of the interior decoration. Like I said, it's. I, I don't. I'm not gonna go into it. But as somebody no, who's, whose mother does this, you you can also pick the specific uh, decoration styles and uh, the different accessories she picked from the different decades yeah. that reflects her emotional move. And it it gets deep. And that's Woody Allen's perfectionism coming to the surface. Like sure. I said, it's just not, it's just not in a very digestible package. It's a it's gotta be in a certain mood. Like I happen to catch it late at night where I feel tired and. Mm. you know and, and it works well then but summer blockbuster hell no you know this is not a feel-good movie well i will say that you know woody allen did go not well 
he said he didn't cast himself in the movie is because he didn't want anyone to think this would be a comedy at all. And if he just knew, if people saw him alone, they would have been a little bit misled. And also he said that he couldn't, he didn't feel like he could pull off the male, as you, you praise the male uh, actors in the movie as well, he said he couldn't really pull off what they delivered, which again shows Woody Allen's humbleness and common sense, which is really awesome. I think this is an interesting movie for this to be Woody Allen's first directorial debut without him starring in it, which is an interesting thing for him to pick. But as you said, man, we're going to see, um, well, we're going to see more of Woody Allen touching these elements moving forward. And, you know, some of my favorite movies are those darker elements with a better overall story, well, better executed. But just, just for argument's sake, people, I want you to know this. I still think the movie's good. Some of my favorite movies and television shows are super depressing dramas. I just wanted to bring up three examples in particular. Six Feet Under... That movie is all about depression. The main characters are Undertakers. <laughs> One of your favorite movies of all time, Blue Valentine. Isn't that right, Simon? One of your favorite movies. Of course. Right, right. <laughs> of course. Well, what else? Yeah. I mean, and obviously, as even a series like <laughs> Nip, Nip Tuck, which again is dissecting characters and their depression and the body image. Man, this I'm not new to this. I just, again, think it was a little bit too much in certain areas, but I'm beating a dead horse by going on. Forget what I said, guys. This movie, again, was nominated for six Oscars, so it doesn't matter what I think. The movie was another critical success. By this time, I don't want to take away from the movie. They were, they were diehard Woody fans. The critics did love this movie. This is a movie that I think sings to the tortured artists, the tortured painters and film directors. They love this movie. I was reading the reviews and they were like, Woody Allen understands us. He understands our plight. And it was just so funny. But it doesn't matter. This is critically acclaimed movie. One of, apparently, as you said, one of his best. IMDb, Rotten Tomatoes. It's in the mid-sevens. Still ages pretty well. And, uh, Every time, Simon, it's been the theme that you asked me what my um, quote of the movie is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. <laughs> I have an exchange. This time, I'm not going to... It's a long exchange. There's a, a part in the movie where Diane Keaton... You actually referenced this before. Diane Keaton's going back with her husband about his book and his failings, and he wouldn't go to a party as well. That whole exchange, that was really great. That was really sound out to me. And there's some quotes here they're not my favorite let me get this one here i think you're gonna remember this one at the center of a sick psyche is a sick spirit Mm, that's uh joey's character's uh she basically comes out of her shell and is in the first time with her life honest with her mom and with herself at the same time yeah it's a it's a good moment yeah and a more uplifting one that i want to end the quote on (laughs) you only live once but once is enough if you play your cards right or you can live forever, which is my motto. <laughs> like uh, Batman Forever. There you go. It all comes in circle, man. It does. See, your favorite director. You see, I don't know why you just deny it, Simon. You love Joe Schumacher. Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah I, I am in denial now. You know what? Client, uh, you know, the Falling Down is a good movie, though, man. That's a good movie. And just in case you guys forgot. Judith Christ says, Interiors crosses an entirely new frontier, dealing directly and perceptively with the human condition. Gene Shallot of NBC TV calls Interiors a masterpiece. It ranks with the finest films ever made. A work of art. You must see it. Oh, guys, that's it for this review. You know, I was surprised. We went a bit longer on this one, and I thought this was going to be short, but 
I'm really happy to have you on. And, you know, again, I'm kind of surprised with your with how you felt about this movie. But again... Hey, nobody's as surprised as I am. I thought I'm going to hate this. <laughs> when we watched that trailer, I thought I'm going to snooze all the way till the end. But don't you think it's ironic that after this, Woody comes back with another one of his most beloved movies. And I'm really looking forward to the next one, guys. But before we talk about that one, guys, if you loved him TVs... And as I said before, I actually found a lot of the behind the scenes of this movie are a lot more interested in the movie itself. And there is a lot behind the making of this movie. Check out the Woody Allen Pages Watchers Guide because all the information is in there. Great book. Get it on Amazon. Link is going to be in the description. And uh, that's going to be it, Simon. So I want to say thank you for joining me on this one again, as usual, buddy. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Guys, if you watched the movie, leave us a comment in the well leave us a comment in the comments down below whether you like it you hate it you disagree with us you think we went on too long or give the movie a chance i think you might surprise you but again if you're older i think you might appreciate it more anyway guys click on the links on the screen if you're on youtube and uh we'll leave it at that until the next one we'll see you later have a good one